Powered by Magic, where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom and ride with us. Hey, how are you doing today? Pretty good. So I've been taking Adderall uh, for ADHD and it's been doing really, really good. I actually had my uh, boss the other day say that I was right where I needed to be in my numbers at work. Very happy. Yeah, very happy. I know that's really hard. Yeah, it's been a big anxiety for me. The other thing is I decided to do a tarot mentorship. I'm mentoring two people right now It's my brother and another person from a tarot server that I'm on. It's really exciting. I just had my first get together this last Sunday. So yesterday it went really, really well and it did wonders for my confidence. Oh, that's fantastic. I know that we talked about it a bit and I, I'm a little envious, (laughs) a little intimidated. But I know you're really excellent at it. I'm excited for you as well. I'm excited for the people who are getting your the benefit of your help. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. How are you today? Oh, today uh, I'm doing good. Okay. <laughs> today is good. A little tired, but good. Mm-hmm. As for what's been going on with me, I am excited because I have ordered a deck of cards that will help us with our new eventual business of tarot readings and ohm readings so it'll create more spreads more options and possibilities for people that we work with it's very exciting yes we are just in the very beginning stages of getting this ready super excited about it i also am back into pet sitting season which is going to take all, all the way through to october basically on and off oh wow I'm nervous, as you know, about how that's going to work with my cats and how they interact with me when I'm gone for three weeks at a time. I mean, I, obviously, I come back and forth and see my cats. I'm, yeah. I spend time with them. It's not like they don't ever see me, but they won't have me overnight. And it's just it always stresses me out, even yeah. though now it's a different situation than it was last year where I had a 19-year-old cat and a kitten. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, it's a much better situation this year. I have two more or less kittens, mm-hmm. so they can keep each other company, which they must have so much fun. We just heard them going at it a moment ago, so I can't imagine what happens when I'm not here. Which oh boy, doesn't make me feel any better. Mm. And my house was torn apart when I came home today. Oh boy, yeah. Other than that, I think that's pretty much it. I'm just excited about our new business that's coming up. Yeah. And uh, getting more practice in because there's always, there's never enough practice. Yeah, never enough practice. Said, always learning is great. Okay, all of that said, how about we move into the god or goddess? Well, just an aside, we're doing Beltane today. Yes, that is true. We are doing Beltane today. And before I forget, if you are in the Facebook group, I have started up doing the giveaways again i haven't done that in a while there's one currently running but this is this recording is sort of ahead of the game so 
you know, it's not current, I guess, now, but they will keep coming is my point. Yeah, there will be more. So if you look in the Facebook group, if you join in there, every now and then you're going to see some giveaways that go on. And all you have to do is answer a simple question and mm-hmm. you get entered in. And then you have a week to basically answer the question and you get an answer in a week as to whether or not you won. Yep. So the readings are from me or Sylvia. Just depends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's dig into Beltane and the God Goddess. All right. Today we have Inari Okami. They are the Japanese God Goddess of rice, prosperity, fertility, foxes, tea, sake, agriculture, smithing, and industry. So this is a God Goddess. They are... Yeah, combo. You can find them in different descriptions and here I'll just go right into the descriptions one of them is a young food goddess another one is an old man carrying rice an androgynous bodhisattva or you can find her him her as a fox duties are overseeing the prosperity and good fortune of individuals and curing people of sickness lineage she doesn't have a solid lineage that I could find stories. Myth says that Inari, as a goddess, came to Japan in a time of famine. She was riding a white fox and carrying a type of cereal, some say it's rice, some say it's something else, that she gave to the humans to help in their time of little. Interesting facts, Inari's foxes are pure white and are her messengers. Inari's worship is quite personal to each person and so she has many different iterations. That's part of why it's so hard to find one thing about her hymn is that it's a very personal worship and you have your own kind of myths that might be, might either go through down the family line or just very personal beliefs. Inari is both a Shinto and Buddhist deity. Symbols are white foxes, foxes in general, sake, rice, and the color red. Another interesting fact is at the shrines for Inari that there are little fox statues and they often have red bibs on them as a sign of respect and offering and that sort of thing. Very interesting. Yeah. On to the superstition. Yeah, I do have to tell everybody it's really windy out today. You might be hearing my wind chimes in the background. Yeah. So... Just wanted to mention that, but super windy. Okay, superstition. Today I chose wishing on a star. Some of the bad kind of things that go with it or thoughts about it, starting with Romania, saw a falling star as a bad omen. They believe that every man had a candle in the sky, which is what a star represented. And if that star fell, it meant that the candle had been extinguished, therefore was the foretelling of a man's death. During Shakespeare's time, it was believed that shooting stars or other such items, meteors, comets, were considered to be escaping their orbit and thus a bad event, being that it was so infrequent and unable to be foretold as to when it would happen. It created fear for people. Sort of the good-bad of it. The Greeks couldn't make up their minds as to whether it was a good sign or a bad sign. They saw it as either a rising or falling soul. Jewish and Christians saw stars similarly. They were either a falling angel or a devil. 
the indigenous peoples of Australia saw stars as kind spirits or saw them as evil warring beings. When Halley's Comet appeared in 1066, it favored the Normans, or so they saw it, and it was seen as distressful for the last Anglo-Saxon king of England. Hmm, interesting. Claudius Ptolemy, I did practice that, I promise. <laughs> Ptolemy, <laughs> born in 100 CE, and who was an astronomer and mathematician, who believed the lights of the stars were proof that the gods were watching them through the cracks where the stars had fallen through. It's unclear as to whether this was regarded as a good or bad thing. Some good things. In Yorkshire, the beholding of the star falling was seen as a good omen because they believed that the souls of babies from heaven came down to earth with them. Oh. Isn't that sweet? Mm-hmm. In Chile, they believed the occurrence of a falling star was favorable, and to ensure a wish you made upon that star, you had to pick up a stone at the same time that it fell. Mm. Now, similarly, in the Philippines, when seeing a star falling, you would make a wish while also tying a knot in your handkerchief. Hmm. So it would be beneficial, I guess, to have a handkerchief on you at mm -hmm. all times. <laughs> well, at least at night. Yeah, this actually makes me think of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and always keeping a towel with you. <laughs> Today we first see signs of the phenomena as being good in the popular nursery rhyme from the late 19th century, Starlight, Starbright, First Star I See Tonight which is indicative of seeing a star as a chance to have your heart's desire come true. This speaks only to a star in the sky, not a falling one, however. The embedding of a wish upon a star as a good thing in American culture came along with the Academy Award-winning song, When You Wish Upon a Star, written for Disney's Pinocchio in 1940. It won Best Original Song. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. I think I kind of touched on that in another episode somewhere. It had to do with a different superstition, mm -hmm. but it was a similar kind of thing, and it had to do with Pinocchio, so it was kind of curious. Oh. Yeah. A version of this song had, or has become, a regular Christmas carol in both Scandinavia and Japan, and it goes a little bit like this. Well, it's quote like this. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. It's not clear as to why wishing on a star doesn't have a negative connotation with it now. Perhaps in part because science has demystified what is actually occurring. No matter the why, it is now considered to be both happy and hopeful. From superstition, we go to the main part of our podcast, which is about Beltane with history. And Tatiana does this. All right. Digging in. Beltane is one of the eight annual pagan holidays and is between the spring equinox, also known as Astara, and summer solstice, also known as midsummer. Beltane is one of the four Celtic holidays. Sometimes you will hear Beltane intermixed with being known as May Day. The Irish refer to it as La Beltane. In Scottish, it's Lafa Beltane. And I won't even try to say it in Gaelic. I looked at it and went, I'm not even going to slaughter that one for you. <laughs> <laughs> it is considered to be a fertility festival. The word Beltane is the Celtic word for the fires of Bel, perhaps related to one of their gods, Belinus. Belinus was a sun and healing god. 
It is possible, according to Geoffrey Keating of the 17th century, that during Beltane in medieval times, there was a great gathering that occurred at the hill of Wisnech. Here, according to him, a sacrifice was made in the name of Bel. Interestingly, in the 3rd century, Bellinus was the patron deity of the Italian city Aquilia? Should have looked that up. Darn it. Okay, back on to Beltane. Yes. I just thought that was an interesting side note. Mm-hmm. According to varying sources, the Celts used to light two bonfires in order to ensure the fertility of their cattle. The Druids would do great incantations, and according to medieval texts, uh, and then pass the cattle between the two fires, believing that this would purify them. This was done because it was not only the time of fertility, it was also when the cattle were driven to the summer pastures, and the rite offered protection and purification from disease. This was not just for the cattle, but also for the crops, growth, dairy goods, and the people. The smoke, flame, and ashes were thought to have special powers, therefore each house would douse their fires and then relight them from the Beltane fires. There would be feasts, and the Aeshi would be given offerings from the food and drink. The Aeshi were sometimes known as the Fae or Fairy or Little People. The Fae were thought to have been leftover gods from the pagans, as well as nature spirits. Offerings were given to them to appease them. Typically, white and yellow flowers adorned livestock, windowsills, and doors, possibly symbolizing the fires of Beltane. The morning dew was collected by the maidens before the sun rose on Beltane, and sometimes they would roll around in it as if it was considered to be beneficial. It was used for luck, health, and for the health it was for skin ailments, particularly freckles. It was used to stay beautiful, young, and increase sexual attractiveness. What was collected was placed in the sun and filtered to be used at a later point. A side note is that men using soap to wash their faces on Beltane would increase the length of their whiskers. Huh. And that seemed really random. The only thing I can think of that isn't said in that sentence is that maybe it was the soap made from the Beltane waters, possibly? Mm. I don't know. I couldn't find anything on that, so I didn't really put it in, but that's my speculation. Okay. Holy wells were also visited and prayed to for the same reasons. They would walk Deshil, clockwise, around the well while leaving offerings. The first person to get the water from the well got what was thought to be the most potent of the water to be drawn of that day. That person would have good luck bestowed upon them. Interesting. Yeah, I thought some fun stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the history I came up with. How about we move on to you with the modern day? All right. Modern day, we're going to actually start in the 18th century. And though the traditions were beginning to die out by the 18th century, Beltane customs were being recorded by folklorists of the time. I'm interrupting you. I just love the hand motions you were doing. Nobody, <laughs> nobody else can see that. There was just some fun hand motions that went with that. <laughs> One instance of a song in Gaelic, its English name being the Beltane Blessing, recorded by folklorist Alexander Carmichael. White and yellow flowers were used to decorate the doorways and windows evoking that fiery energy that Beltane has. The May bush was a tree that was either decorated where it stood or boughs would be taken off of. 
decorated and put in or outside the house. The may bush was usually a hawthorn, rowan, holly, or sycamore, usually done by the oldest member of the household. The decorations were flowers, ribbons, painted eggshells, etc. Some may bushes were even paraded through towns. The practice may have been to honor the tree's spirits in the hopes that the tree would grant its blessings to the person. That makes sense. Yeah, right? Yeah. Some neighborhoods would have contests to see who decorated the prettiest tree. That began to get a little rowdy as neighborhoods would try and steal each other's trees. <laughs> hmm. The practice of decorating a maybush was eventually banned in Victorian times. Wow, that must have really gotten rowdy and out of hand. Yeah, I, I imagine so. Although they were a little puritanical in the Victorian times. Yeah, just a little bit. Bonfires continued to be lit for the holiday. Candles and hearth fires would be doused before the bonfires were lit, which was done generally on a mountain or hill. According to Ronald Hutton, the potency of the fire could be increased by using primitive means, like friction between two pieces of wood, to start the fire. In this time, driving cattle between two fires was still practiced in Ireland and some of Scotland. Hearths would be relit using torches, themselves lit by the bonfires. Those same torches would also be carried around the perimeter of the house or farmstead in hopes of protection. Food would also be cooked as part of the ritual, the type depending on where the ritual was held. Fire is still a big part of Beltane today. We might not have the cattle to pass between the fires, but there are still bonfires lit or candles enjoyed during this holiday. People still jump the bonfires for purification, good fortune, and general fertility. Even though we as modern people generally don't ask for the fertility of our cattle, it is still a big part of the festival. One such thing being the dancing around a maypole and wrapping it in ribbon as a symbol for intercourse. That fertility is still a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's a core thing. <laughs> yeah, core thing. The lore of Beltane nowadays, for many, is that the god, who was born in winter solstice, is now ready to woo the goddess as a strong and mature man. It's less outright sexual nowadays, though there are those that celebrate it as such, and more a mental and spiritual fertility. There are still some covens and groups that will celebrate Beltane with the high priest and priestess having intercourse. Uh, we did do something similar in our group. We were a very close-knit group. It was a very honored thing. Mm -hmm. It was very specific. It wasn't some wild, crazy, just have sex with somebody. Yeah. It, it, was, was... it was very specific. But yeah, back in the day, they used to go out in the fields and... You yeah, know, go do go it have fun. Mate, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the babies that came from that were, you know, honored as as such. You know. Yeah. Now on to festivals. The Beltane Fire Festival in Edinburgh, held on the night of the thirtieth of April, is headed by the May Queen and the Green Man. These are actors and actresses that do this. This is a multicultural event which takes myth and drama from a variety of sources like the white of the priestesses for the may queen are kind of brought in from shintoism in japan i don't know where the red people come from they are kind of the introduction of chaos into the mix 
but it seems like a run festival and I really wish and would love to go to it sometime. I wonder if the red is kind of like an, a fae kind of connection. It may be. I'm just kind of curious. The Chung Chao Bun Festival in Chung Chao Island, Hong Kong, usually in May, Pak Tai is the main deity honored in this festival. This festival features towers covered in buns, and people climb the towers to get the buns. The higher <laughs> the bun grabbed, the better the fortune for the coming year. Waisak in Java, Indonesia, is done somewhere in the first half of May. This is a celebration of the birth, death, and enlightenment of Buddha. Buddhist priests make a pilgrimage to Borobudur on the island of Java. On the night of a full moon, the priests carry candles and flowers, walking in procession through Borobudur to leave offerings and pray. That is really cool. I didn't, I think, realize how worldwide spanned Beltane really was. I knew it went really far, but I didn't actually realize it went to that degree. Which yeah. So thanks for that information. That was really cool for me. Yeah, cool. I'm glad you liked it. Now we have activity number one. Activity number one for a wish to come true. To be done on Beltane, what you'll need is a branch about 6 to 12 inches long, preferably rowan or hawthorn or holly, but in a pinch oak will do. Oak is kind of a equalizer of all. Okay. It's considered a, I'm not thinking the word now. <laughs> it seems like it's kind of like substitution. Yeah, it's a good substitution. kind of like quartz is for other. Yes, it's a good sort of yeah. Anyway, substitution. No matter what, ask for permission from the tree in order to take the branch. Yeah. And even if it's fallen on the ground, it's a good idea to just kind of touch base with that tree and make sure that it's okay. You'll need three ribbons, yellow, white, and red, twice the length of your branch, a nail or pushpin, depending on your piece of wood, just depending on how soft it is, possibly a hammer, and then of course you're going to want to be very careful with a hammer when you're using it. Mm -hmm. Begin by saging the space you'll be working in, a place that you don't want to be disturbed. Make sure to sage all of your tools as well. If you would like, it might be nice to ask for the Fae to join you in a manner that is helpful to your magic. They really like Beltane. But be careful in your invitation and be sure to offer libation and cakes at the end. Now take your ribbon and nail, put the nail or pin through the ribbons, and then attach it to the top of the branch. Once attached, begin by wrapping one ribbon around the branch in a clockwise motion, and once at the bottom, hold it in place. Now take the second ribbon and do the same in the opposite direction, counterclockwise, and hold it at the bottom in place. Finally, take the last ribbon and wrap it clockwise in the same manner, all the while thinking about your wish. You will make a total of three knots. With each knot, you will say the chant that I've offered you below, so a total of three times. Now the day has come. May the fairies have their fun. By Rowan, Holly, and Hawthorne Tree, may my heart's desire come to be. Now the spell is done. Take it and place it on a windowsill or above a doorway or of your house. Even a front porch will do in a pinch. Thank the Fae if you invited them and give them the libation and cake that you have for them. You can leave it with your magic or take it to a place where you feel is sacred. It doesn't need to be much. 
but if you have an extra offering to leave, then all the better. Now wait and see what comes. Remember, you have to be very specific when doing any spell work. Mm -hmm. And that wraps up that activity. We have another activity to offer from Sylvia. Yeah, this is just a very simple ritual to introduce yourself to the Fae and basically start that relationship. Sounds awesome. And a little dangerous, too. A little dangerous <laughs> when you're dealing with the Fae. You know, you want to be particular. Mm hmm. Careful. Very careful. You'll want whiskey, cream, milk, and or honey offering for the Fae. This ritual is intended to be as serious or silly as the moment takes you. Now, you create the circle and call in the quarters. And you introduce yourself or have a call to the fairies. This is a suggestion. You don't have to do this. You can write it or do it from the heart. I have written, I invite those of the good neighbors with good intentions to join me this evening. Tonight, I honor you and introduce myself. I am called blank. Please join me in my merrymaking. Now you can recite a poem. And this is one suggestion that I, I found um, in the public domain called The Fairies Dancing by Walter de la Mare. I heard along the early hills, ere yet the lark was risen up, ere yet the dawn with firelight fills the night dew of the bramble cup. I heard the fairies in a ring sing as they tripped a lilting round. Soft as the moon on wavering wing, the starlight shook as if with sound. As if with echoing, and the stars pranked their bright eyes with trembling gleams, while red with war the gusty Mars rained upon the earth his ruddy beams. He shone alone low down the west, while I behind a hawthorn bush watched on the fairies' flaxen trest, the fires of the morning flush, till as a mist their beauty died, their singing shrill and fainter grew, and daylight tremulous and wide flooded the moorland through and through, till Erdin's copper weathercock was reared in golden flame afar, and dim from moonlight dreams awoke the towers and groves of Arar. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now at this time, time, apparently I'm going in a different accent today. <laughs> At this time, you offer up a dance, and you can use any music you like. But a couple of songs that I found that were quite appropriate was Queen of the Fae by Adrian von Ziegler. He's very good. Mm-hmm. Or Fairy Night Songs featuring Stephanie by Gary Stadler. He is awesome. They are awesome. Mm-hmm. This is a time to celebrate fertility and creativity. So let those ideas inspire you as you dance. Once the dance is finished... You would release the quarters, close the circle, then take your offering outside, preferably, to either a tree or a small glade or glen and leave it upon the ground. And there you go. And Offerings are important, especially when you include the fae. Yes, very much so. So tarot. The tarot today is the seven of visions or cups. This is a card that warns you to wait. Now is not the time to move forward because things are unclear. 
There may be a lot of things in play at this time, all of which need time to percolate. In terms of the podcast, there are two things I see plainly partaking in this card. The first is Beltane, which is one of the fairies' two favorite times to come out to play. They love to make riddles of everything, so you can't take things at face value. Best not to even try to figure it out, as it's only crazy making to understand them. No offense to the Fae, it's just their way. Mm-hmm. No promise, no offense meant. <laughs> Instead, just enjoy their infectious laughter and fun. Second is that this card in this deck looks like wishing well and wishes take time to come true. You can't force your inner sight to see what will come or you're only going to see what you want and not what is meant to be. Although wishes are a direct intention, I can pretty much guarantee that there is almost always a twist in the results. That's on us. We can't think of absolutely everything when doing spell or wish. Magic finds the loopholes. Oh boy, does it. Yeah, it really does. That is why it's important to always end a wish or a spell with, be it in the will of the universe or spirit, or something to that idea. And then take time to frolic while you await your results. Mm-hmm. Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. Also, come join us on Facebook under Powered by Magic, on Instagram and Twitter under Powered Magic. We'd love to have you. Yes, we really would. <laughs> we really would. We'd love to hear from you. Please, 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 please. We sound pathetic in all of our begging, but we really would love to hear from you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Tatiana saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia saying so long and thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered, Powered by, by Magic. Magic. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.